here. I think here's what it is, God. Some of us are jealous because some of us took that last shot to get away, right? And you didn't go. And uh, I'm glad that each of you are here to get away. My joy to have you here at Pine Springs and trust that uh, you will be blessed uh, by being here today. I, I just am so grateful for the privilege to be able to, to stand here and to preach today. I know last, well, two weeks ago, I said that chapter 8 was my favorite chapter in the book of Nehemiah, right? I made that statement. Well, guess what? Today I'm going to say chapter 9 is my favorite book, all right? Because that's where we are. And I'm telling you, this thing is rich. This thing is so rich. And uh, I'm going to preach today on the subject of God-centered worship. How that God just exalts Himself. And if I had time today, I would take you back over into Revelation. Revelation chapter 7. If you have time sometime today or this week, and just go back and look at Revelation chapter 7. And then end up verses 9, 10, 11, 12, right through there. And here is this beautiful just... It's like God being on display. And there's worshiping Him for who He is and all of His glory and all of His brilliance. And man, I want to capture some of that today. And I think we can right here in this text. And so, so listen to these verses. Nehemiah chapter 9. I'm only going to read the first five verses. But I'm pretty much going to cover most of the chapter as I preach today. Now on the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth, and with earth upon their heads. And the Israelites separated themselves from all the foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of their God for a quarter of the day. For another quarter of it, they made confession and worshiped the Lord their God. On the stairs of the Levites stood a Jeshua, Bani, Kenil, Shebaniah, Beauty, Sherebiah, Bani, Chenaniah. And they cried with a loud voice to the Lord their God. Then the Levites, Jeshua, Kenil, Bani, Hashbaniah, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shebaniah, and Pathaniah said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Be your glorious name. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. Father God, today, how we thank you for who you are. God, thank you for the privilege today just to, to be here, to assemble together, or just to sing praises to your name, to worship you, God, in our tithes and offerings today. God, to worship you through Bible study, to worship you through the preaching of your word. And Lord, today, you are truly worthy of all honor and praise and glory. And Father, I pray that, that even now, in these moments that we have together, God, you would just take us deep into the Word today, that the Holy Spirit be our teacher. God, let us see you for who you are. And Lord, I pray that, that, that our worship today will not be over, but God, you will only really truly begin as we God, dig into the Word and see you in that Word. May we see you as glorious. May we see you as holy. May we see you as righteous. May we see you as majestic. Lord, I pray that you will just change us God, by your power today, God, that you would use the Word and use your Holy Spirit to bring about a work of transformation, God, in all of our lives. 
Maybe someone needs to cry out to you and be saved. Lord, maybe somebody here today has been walking with you, but, but Lord, maybe they've been a prodigal for a while. And, and Lord, today you're going to do a fresh work of grace in them. God, just bring them back to you. Lord, maybe, who knows, God, maybe there's just some confession of sin and repentance that's going to take place today. God, maybe somebody's going to be set free from sin and bondage today. God, maybe somebody here today who's been struggling with shame is going to see today that Jesus, when you died on the cross of Calvary and shed your blood, God, you made it possible that we could know you, be forgiven, be cleansed, and we don't have to live with shame and regret anymore. God, I pray that you would bring conviction, but God, I pray that you would also bring deliverance. And Lord, for all this we ask in the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The Feast of Tabernacle is over, and yet they could not leave. The people would not leave. They are there, and they just wanted more of the Word of God. You know, I think that is one of the, the, the litmus tests of, to, to know whether or not you're really experiencing a move of God and a move of grace. Is what do we do with His Word? Is there a hunger and a passion for the Word of God? If they spent a quarter of a day, can you imagine that? Can you imagine six hours just reading the Word of God together? Six hours of proclamation. And then there were six hours of prayer and, and confession and repentance. Just coming clean, just getting right with God. Did you pick up that they kind of were in sackcloth and ashes? Did they put the dust and dirt upon their head? Because that was a, a picture. They could see the conviction and, and the humility that God was doing inside of them. And now they wanted to be seen on the outside of who they were. They wanted, to, they wanted everybody to recognize that God had done such a unique work that it could not be denied. And boy, that would be my prayer today. Not just for me, but for you as well. That we would truly sense the move of God. That we would see Him do something that could only be explained by Him. So three very quick things this morning. Number one, spending time with God and His Word can bring about true change. Spending time with God and His Word can bring about true change. Saturated in His Word for six hours. I mean, think about that. Being in the Word of God, studying the Word of God, reading the Word of God for six hours. If there is something within me that understands that the, the, the worship of God is really connected with the reading of His Word. Those two things go hand in hand. Worship and witness. Those things go hand in hand. And so the Word affects everything. The Word impacted their prayer. The Word made, made a, an impact upon the conviction of the people there in their heart. It was the Word of God that brought about brokenness. Ladies and gentlemen, the Word of God can change everything. Regardless of what you may be experiencing today, do you know the Bible has a Word for you? We call this the Logos. Okay, the Logos, the complete Word of God. But inside the Logos is what is called a rhema. Have you ever read the Bible and it's like a certain passage or a verse of Scripture leaped off the page?
nature. Because it met you right where you were. Guess what you experienced? You experienced a rhema out of the love of God. That just simply means this. God, sovereign, holy, and righteous God, the creator, the sustainer, the deliverer, the savior, everything to us, spoke to you through his word. And where there was no hope, now there's restored hope. Where you wanted to give up, man, it just, it just rejuvenated you. There, there's something that happens when you and I get in the presence of God in his word. And so truly, Men of old would say that you can't even have a prayer meeting without an open Bible. When you get into the Word of God, a change can take place. You lose your life as you know it. You don't need a feel-good message. By the way, if you need a feel-good message, you just indicate to everybody who God really is. And that's you. You see, when you get in the presence of the Lord, it's not so much about feeling good. I mean, there are times when you do feel good, right? But, but there are those moments where God does bring conviction. He overwhelms us in His presence. And listen, in the end, that is a very good feeling. Somebody say amen. When you know that you've been in the presence of the Lord and you take His word and He becomes like the bottle of Gilead. If you see your sin and if you go to Him and you recognize all that God has done, then we can be free from those things. There is something so life-giving and life-changing about that. You will discover it's not about you. You will discover it's all about Him. You will begin to pray with a different attitude and open the Bible. And I'm going to tell you, when you begin to pray the Bible, you will see some prayers answered for sure. And so the average Baptist, you, hey, you want to keep the average Baptist at home? Tell me about that prayer meeting. The truth is, most of us have to get right with God if we are going to pray right. Right? And so here's what happens. The Word of God is so impacted, they see themselves for who they are and the condition that they're in. But they see this incredibly wonderful, magnificent God who has been a covenant-keeping God who has been faithful to them. I don't have time to unpack all this the way I wish I could today. If you will take time to read, you will see how they begin to brag on God. For you are the Lord, you belong, and make heaven and heaven and earth and all the hosts and all the earth that's in the seas and all that's in them. You preserve all these. You are the Lord, the God who chose Abraham and brought him out. It's all about you. You saw the afflictions of our Father. You made a name for yourself. All, but then they say this. But they and our fathers acted presumptively and stood in and did not obey your commands. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like your spiritual life in the world comes with a bunch of seven downs? Okay, that's where they are. And so they see themselves in their sin, but they see God for who He is. And they see themselves as God's people. So I want you to know, this is for somebody, and I don't know who it's for today, but I believe in all my heart, I'm going to say something that's just for somebody. There is somebody here today, and you are struggling with the difference between guilt, conviction, and shame. Does God bring about guilt? Yes. Does God bring about conviction? Yes. Does it God's will for you to live with shame? No. And so what you see in this passage is that they're honest with God. They agree with God about their sin. But 
somebody here today. Somehow the devil has told you that you are no good, that you've messed up, you've gone too far, and all that you can see is your mess. But I'm here to tell you that if you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, He has set you free. The debt has been paid. You have been equipped. And so you don't have to live with shame. Can guilt and conviction restore and renew your walk with God? Absolutely it can. But you don't have to live in shame. So spend time with the Lord. Let Him change you through His Word. Number two, prayer is not just asking for something, but it's being with someone. Most of, most of the time, I, I really think we have a real issue with this. If we're not careful, most of our prayer is always asking. And prayer is asking, but can I just tell you, prayer is more than asking. Real prayer is being in the presence of Jesus. It's, it's, it's knowing that you are in His presence. Now, I love to eat. Okay? I do. I, I, I love to eat. And I will try anything and everything. There is nothing that I will try. Okay? I made barbecue around food. I thought it was delicious. Alright? I've been in China. And, and went to a bank, went to sit at the, I think it was a government bank, but then I got to sit at the head table, and they gave me the most honored dish at the meal. Sheep brain and skull. Tastes like chicken. <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs> I'll try anything, but here's what I don't like. I don't like eating by myself. The job that I have is taking a lot of travel. And sometimes when I'm traveling, you know, I, I get a little hungry. And I may get through the drive-thru, but to go out and sit down in a restaurant by myself, I'm not going to do it. Why? Because even a meal is not so much about the food. So it's not really about being what? People that you love. Do you have prayer as much the same way? So prayer here in this text is not so much about asking for something. It's about recognizing that they get to be in the presence of someone. They're denying themselves. They're a spiritual discipline there. There's a sensitivity to the spirit. They're seeking his face for days. They are seeking God. Their attitude is that they, they knew that they needed to pray. They knew they needed to be in His presence. It wasn't just a, a, better, a better situation. If I had time today to go to Matthew chapter 6, you, you know that is the Lord's Prayer. If you read all of chapter 6, you discover that God already knows what you need before you even ask. But He wants you to ask, why would God do that? Because He wants you to be with Him. To be with him. Charles Hattiesburg once made this statement. The motive is this. Oh, that God could be glorified that Jesus might see the reward of his sufferings. Oh, that sinners might be saved so that God might have new tongues to praise and new hearts to love him. Oh, that sin were put to an end to that holiness, righteousness, mercy, and power of God might be magnified. This is the way to pray. When thy prayer seek God's glory,
that they child to phone in. And honestly, that is the rest of the chapter. That's what you really see in the rest of the chapter. Here is this God-centered prayer. They're rehearsing this prayer before God. It's about His own glory. They are recounting all the perfections of His person, all of His mighty acts and deeds that they could see and remember. Most of the time when we pray, we pray for six things. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I want you to hear me. Should we pray for those who are sick? Yes. But one preacher said it this way. Isn't it interesting? We pray for sick sinners on their way to heaven, but we don't seem to pray for sinners who are not on their way to heaven. Think about your prayer life today. Is it God-centered or is it me-centered? And what you have in verses 6 through look at the rest of the chapter is this picture. It's kind of my wife loves pictures. Okay? So if you took my phone, okay? So if you took my phone today, so if you took my phone, I give a thing to look at my pictures. I mean, there, there's a few pictures on there, but... But if, if you were to look at Pat's phone, oh my goodness. And it's of everything. I mean, it's of our grands. It's of our kids. It's of us. It's of, we look at some pictures and she took pictures of spiders. Okay? And they're always pictures of cows. Okay? That's Pat's favorite animal. We can be anywhere and at any time. She will scream, stop the car! And I'm like, oh, what's up, what's happening? And she'll say, there's a cow. <laughs> and we have to pull over. We take so, 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 so I noticed on the horizon deal that we were getting these charges. And I didn't recognize what the charge was. It's extra space on Pat's phone for her pictures. Okay? So what you have in Nehemiah 9 is like an album of pictures of God. And what I want to do for the next few minutes, I just want to unpack and show you some pictures of God. Because as I read the text, it's amazing. First of all, verse 6 and 7. Look at verse 6 and 7. You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, of all their hosts, the earth, and all that is in it, the seas, and all that's in them, and you preserve all of them, and the host of heaven worships you. You are the Lord, the God chose Abraham, and brought him out of the earth of the Chaldeans, and gave him the name Abraham. He says, you are a glorious God. You are created. You are glorious. You are creator. You are a God who never makes mistakes. You are the God who holds everything together. Does he have the whole world in his hand? You better know that he does. He is a glorious God. Look at verse 8. Verse 8 says this. You found his heart faithful. Before 
for you and make the, the covenant to give to his offspring, the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Pethorite, the Jebusite, the Gergesite, the Termite. I'm just checking if you're listening, all right? <laughs> and you have kept your promise for you You've got a broken relationship? Come on, give in. 
You got cancer? God can heal that. You, 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 I don't care what problem, what difficulty, what trial, what anxiety you may have. I know this. If nothing is impossible with God, your heart's broken, He can heal a broken heart. There is nothing that God cannot do. Look at verse 15. Oh, my soul. You gave them bread from heaven for, for, for their hunger and brought water for them out of the rock for their thirst. And you told them to go in and to possess the land that you had sworn to give them. Since you're a generous God, you provide. He gave them everything that they needed. He gives us all that we need. Everything I have has got J-E-S-U-S on the price tag. You know, I don't own anything. I'm a manager of a lot of stuff. I don't own any of it because the Lord owns it all. So I've got a beautiful wife who's all called for Jesus. You tell me, look at me and look at her and people will know that there is a God in heaven. Amen? Amen. 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 Eight kids, ten grand. I'm telling you, J-E-S-U-S. I don't have a car right there that's paid for and it's 41 miles to the gallon. Thank you, Jesus. I want a truck that didn't have enough money for a truck. So guess what? I named a car truck. So I still have a truck. <laughs> the Lord's given us a pretty house. I really don't want it. The price tag says J-E-S-U-S. I got some clothes. Thank God I got clothes. Amen? Amen. But the price tag on this doesn't say Sears. It doesn't say Bell. It doesn't say where we shop. J-E-S-U-S. I'm just telling you right here today. This old boy believes everything I've got, Jesus gave to me, and it all belongs to him. He's so good. Verse 17. Look at verse 17. They refused to obey and were not mindful of the workers that performed among them, but they stiffed their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are God, ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them. You know what God is? God is a forgiving God. Somebody say amen. amen. He forgives. I mean, when you read this text, you see that He is patient. He is long-suffering. He is willing to all come to repentance. I'm not telling you, listen, there are some folks here today, you've been hiding some stuff. And the very thing that you are hiding is the very thing that Jesus died for. And if you will open up, come clean. If you will just confess that to God, God will cleanse you. God will heal you. Too many of you have let Satan pull a chair up to the table. And he has been patting you and, and beating on you all kinds of lies about how you are no good and you've never been any good. You won't uh, measure anything. I remember, shoot, 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 shoot. It's just us. I'm just going to pretend it's us there, right? I remember the first time I ever shared the gospel with somebody. I was about 18 years old. I was so excited. And, and, and back in those days, our church, Hillcrest Baptist Church, that's where I grew up. That's my home church, all right? And, and, and I remember that my daddy was on the bus. I was busting, and we'd go and pick up people on the bus, that kind of thing. And, and I remember there was a granddad who always made his grandchildren come to church, but he would never come to church. And I put an 18 year old pomp, pomp, pomp. And the Lord put that man in my heart. So I went to see that granddad. I bought my mom's 1980. Granada Gia. 
Now, some of you say, what did that look like? A lemon on wheels is exactly what it looked like, right? And I drove that thing up, and this guy had these big old dogs and these big old chains. And, and I got to be honest with you, I'm allergic to pain. And I remember since they were blowing the horn, and the, the, the old man came out, and I don't know what he said that those dogs went in. I got out of the car, and it just, I was shaking in my boots. And I remember going in, and it was probably the, the, the dirtiest house I've ever been in my life. And I remember sitting down on the couch, and I remember, and all I can remember is, in just this broken kind of way, I was just telling him about my life before Jesus, how Jesus had saved me, and what my life was like now on the other side of God saved me. I've only been saved for two years. And, and I just remember, I mean, I'm talking, 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 and, and bless his heart, I'm not giving any room to say anything. I mean, I'm so nervous, and I can't stop talking, and I'm just talking, talking, talking. And then and, 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 and tears are running off this man's cheek, and I'm thinking, oh my. And I said, hey, has anything like that ever happened to you? He said, no. And I said, would you like to know Jesus today? And he said, not today.
when God does have to discipline us. Do you know why the Bible says he disciplines us? Because he loves us. My dad, my dad's family, I don't know if y'all are still the bank anymore today. I know that's probably not politically correct. If, 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 if there's a way that time could, you know, we could alter time, and my dad could kill a big in 2022, and we could fast forward, and I was five years old in 2022, my dad would probably be in jail. <laughs> Because he jerked about your head anywhere at any moment. You know what I'm saying? I thought about that so many times. Do you know why my dad disciplined me? He loved me. Why does God discipline us? Because he loves us. He deeply cares for us. See, the enemy wants you to think that God doesn't care about you. The truth is, God deeply cares about you. I, I wish I had time, man, just to go through the rest of this chapter and take our time, but I won't today. Just, I just know this. He is holy. He is a holy God. If you're going to truly seek God, and you've got to get your eyes off yourself. You start praying, you consider the beauty of the Lord, you start recounting His glory and all that He's done. And I'll tell you what will happen. You'll begin to praise God for who He is, and you'll begin to honor Him, and you'll give Him praise, and you'll give Him adoration, and I'm telling you, it can absolutely change. This may be an odd way to close the service, but I want to challenge you to think about something. I would like for you to go home today and at some point this afternoon, I would love for you to take this passage and ask God to show you how to pray through this passage. I mean, if you start with verse 6 and you begin to read that and then you begin to internalize that and turn it into your own prayer, so, Lord, I'm coming before you, and think about this. God, you are the Lord. You alone. You are God. You are the God who made heaven. You are the God who made the heaven of heavens. You've made absolutely everything. Lord, you have made the earth and all that's in it, the seas and all that are in them, and you preserve them. All the hosts of heaven praise you because, God, you are the one who created it all. I tell you, you begin to use the word of God to help pray, it'll change your life. So if you got a pencil or a piece of paper, I want you to write three things down really, really quick. Number one, read through the passage. So read through the passage. Number two, use that passage to pray. You understand? Use the passage to pray. Number three, Live out the passage. You got that? So read it. Read through the passage. Pray the passage. And then live that passage out. And I'm telling you, if just that one chapter, what can happen as a result?
sins, his presence, and his power in such a real way that it will overcome any lie of the enemy. And that you can remember, you will see photograph after photograph after photograph exactly who God is and who God is to you. And I tell you, it can absolutely change how you do a quiet time and change how you pray. So Father God, today, we bow before you. We thank you and praise you for your word. And God, just to see you in your word, to be reminded of how holy and righteous and generous and kind and forgiving you are. To know, Lord, just as Isaiah, he heard the angel saying, Holy, holy, holy God, when he saw you high and lifted up, he saw you in holiness, but he saw himself in his sinfulness. But Lord, you, you took the angel and you brought that coal from the altar, and God, you purified. And God, thank you that you can purify and cleanse us today. And that God, you are still working in us. God, maybe somebody needs to be saved today. God, maybe somebody here has just had, that they've given the enemy a seat at the table, and it's time for them to make a change. And God, we're going to quit listening to the lies of the enemy, and they're going to believe the truth of Scripture. Lord, teach us to pray. God, teach us to pray with an open Bible. God, teach us to pray your words. And God, in all the prayers that surely you will answer, it will be the prayers that are just simply your word. And so God, teach us to sit at your feet. God, teach us to be a Mary, just to sit at your feet. God, just to be with you, not just to pray to get what we want, but Jesus, that we would pray and talk to you simply just to be with you. Lord, to have communion with you, to have fellowship with you. Lord, we just need just a fresh move of your grace. God, you will never do that in the absence of spending time with you in your word. And so, Lord, give us a revival today in your word. And we will thank you and then we'll praise you for all that you can do. God, praise to you, God, lead us. I don't know how really to close this service out any more than just to say this. If you're here today and you need Jesus, no greater joy today than to lead somebody to faith in Christ. Maybe you're here, this is a church that you want to be a part of. Maybe you're here today and you've recognized that you allow the enemy to push you around. And you've given him a seat at the table. And today is a good day. He's got to go. And some of you have been dealing with, you know, he's convinced you to shame yourself. And Jesus has maybe reminded you today. He died for that sin. There's guilt and there's conviction. But legally, you've been acquitted. And you just need to come back and let Jesus just restore you. And you make today the day that you are going to get into the Word. And you're going to let the Word get into you. And you're going to keep looking at those pictures of who Jesus is. The pictures of who God is. And the Word makes it so very clear.
we stand together, as we sing, whatever you need, whatever, whatever God's telling you to do, just simply obey God right now today. Trust. Just trust.
and speaking to the man at six and we're having a cookout, we need you to sign up so that we know how much food that we have. So please do that and we look forward to a great time together next week. Also, um, I want to remind you about Upward Soccer. There's still sign up, Brother Doug, with the man here and Patty, see Patty. And uh, we were going to show a video this morning, but we couldn't get pulled in to our system. But let me just tell you this. If you are a person, there's something you can do with them. Now, we do need some people who will step up to be coaches and assistant coaches. Well, I don't know anything about it. Well, guess what? They'll train you to do it. Uh, we have enough people to make it lead now. It's going to be great in several different age categories. But say you don't want to be a coach, you don't want to be an assistant coach, but you can just have here's some ways you can help. If you could just come and greet people. If you could come and help park some cars. If you could come and maybe help with some concessions for a game or two. It'll be a huge house, a huge help. But I'm going to tell you, you need to talk to Doug and Patty, and they'll put you to work. Uh, we've had a lot of interest and a lot of people who have signed up since long. So if you would do that, please. We have all kinds of meetings going on here today. And then night at 6, we have a conference meeting. So you're to bring food. And lots of it because the preacher's hungry. He likes to eat. He's already confessed that here today. So please come at 6 o'clock. We'll put our food together and have a time. Hurts requires at 5. We'll get out the time for that. Thinking about the water. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for allowing us to be here today. I pray that in the days to come, that we'll see more of what we've seen today. That we've seen us through your spirit of us. And we see people being added to our number. Lord, I pray for those who have been elected today to serve as deacons and pastors. Lord, um, we thank you. Lord, I pray for the pastor's search meetings they work for us not important. What we want. This is important. So we just pray for you. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name.